0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Moonrise Kingdom. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast as we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. But if you do proceed without having seen the film, you should be aware that there are some plot spoilers. Enjoy.
0: Hello, Mr. Paddy Man.
1: It's Sunday, Sunday, gotta wake up on Sunday, gotta get out of bed even though it's the weekend, gotta record a podcast, gotta record a podcast.
0: <laughs> um, Paddy, the The actual lyric there, I'll have you know, that's so offensive to to that song the actual lyric is podcasting podcasting yeah podcasting podcasting yeah
1: (laughs) sorry i totally forgot that in in that place (laughs) of that song the yeah is immovable like even if you're gonna you're gonna redo it it's got to have a yeah in it because otherwise the as we discussed in the previous episode millenniums won't listen to it unless it's got yeah in it
0: exactly exactly um i i love friday by rebecca black Um, it's a tune for for my old job I made a video uh, that mashed up Rebecca Back's Friday with um footage <laughs> from the Friday the thirteenth the video game.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you have a dream job.
0: Uh, it was it was it was quite handy actually. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: it was like, Well, this is what I'm getting paid to do. I appreciate this.
1: Yeah. I, I heard that she's actually doing very well these days off of some website that, that has a stupid name that I can't remember where you pay celebrities to say things for money, like to record personalized videos and stuff.
0: Oh, that's quite cool. Yeah. So how do we get on that Paddy? Let's, yeah, we let's, should, let's go become, we should
1: create an account. Shouldn't we? Oh, uh, well, it's
0: like celebra- celebrity, celebrity kissagrams <laughs> effectively. Basically, isn't it?
1: Yeah. A saxagram. <laughs> yeah. If sexy sax man, Sergio Flores is not on this website. I do not want to know
0: yeah i'm i'm boycotting it if um if he's not on there
1: yeah but yeah it's it's pretty offensive that um the site hasn't approached us already given how famous we are but maybe maybe you just have to do a little bit of legwork to get on there and then you're rolling in it
0: maybe yeah maybe you've got to record them a message
1: and then they put you on there yeah what what should we say to them something nice well it
0: nice well we can yeah we can and we can bring up all of our incredible movies oh yeah
1: um, that we are working did you see <laughs> what i sent through yesterday opposite day which now has yes. a poster
0: <laughs> yes it has a it has a poster go it is official <laughs> um we can share that around yeah uh, it's 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 maybe not as good as the sensations poster which i think really encapsulated the essence of that
1: movie the sensations um, poster is the pinnacle of art there can never be any higher <laughs> artwork than that.
0: Um, but yes, yes. Uh, opposite Day now is a finite, uh, a art project. It has a actual poster.
1: A finite project. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. It, it it truly exists. It is no longer just a figment of our imagination. So, s- someday it won't be visual day and tangible day to it. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, I will. Um, I will post it later. But I might try and get out the clip of it. Um, to post with it so that people understand what it is and don't think that mark <laughs> that mark woolberg is starring in this film anytime soon because he's got a couple of other commitments to get through first i think
0: he, he does and the poster is so professionally made that people would think oh wait maybe this is a real poster. yeah
1: we don't want to build up too much hype just yet it's a it's a <laughs> teaser
0: <laughs> not quite not quite it's a teaser Oh dear. So how how are you this morning? Yeah, probably? not, how are not you?
1: too bad. I haven't been awake that long. I've had a very busy week and then um, decided to sleep in this morning. So I got up and I made some of those cinnamon rolls that come out of a can. Have you ever made those? Oh yes, yeah. They're actually not too bad. I've never done them before because, you know, we can make our own cinnamon rolls. I'm not a, not a fool, but they, they weren't they weren't too bad.
0: Oh, very good. Yeah, I've never made them myself, but I've, I've heard from people who've made them and said that they're quite
1: tasty. Yeah, so that's good. How about you?
0: Um, I have been up for a fair while. I have more video games to review for the website, uh, so I have been blitzing through uh, a review of another game, which uh, hopefully I'll get finished either today or tomorrow. Cool. What uh, what um, game is
1: this, or is it is it under so this wraps? Is,
0: it is not under wraps. It is F one twenty eighteen, uh, the new Formula One game, which is very very good. Oh. I like it.
1: Is is it as good as toka Touring Cars too?
0: It is not as good as Toca 2 Touring the, Cars, which the is the most boring video game ever, game. ever <laughs> It's the greatest racing game in the history of racing games. You do not know what you're chatting about. The the it's it's yeah, I, I absolutely loved that game when I was when I was younger, and then um, on a retro games night that we had at university, we dug it out and were like, yeah, let's play Toca um paddy and uh, my various assortment of other friends at the event were not that impressed <laughs> with the game <laughs> and fair to say it has not aged very well See,
1: i, I never had it because i never had a playstation i was always a nintendo or sega guy and i I'd-, I'd never played it before so i was like oh yeah, this is okay this looks like a racing game but it had like the whole entire dashboard of a car but somehow with even more boring stuff that you had to deal with it was like even more tedious than actually driving which is just the-
0: <laughs> and and that's the thing it's it's a it was a very niche product it was for people who watched or enjoyed the British touring car championships it was a it was a branded product and although it had various other things in there so it had like formula ford and stuff like that the primary focus of it was the British touring car championships and it was a very faithful recreation of british touring cars in 1998 um which which i loved as a fan of motorsport um, but I can understand why other people might not enjoy it quite as much. When
1: you say it that way, it sounds quite quaint, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Brit- yeah. British cars driving around—it makes it sound like they're all like, <laughs> old cars with like honky horns and, and stuff.
0: No, but it is not. It is. It is uh, the. I, that's um... not a racist term, by the way. I didn't mean that, like... <laughs> you meant cars that are honky? Yeah,
1: you know the little ones that go um... like a clown car. <laughs> Now that would be
0: a fun racing yeah. game. Um but yeah yeah it's 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 more akin to the 1998 Vauxhall Vectra driving oh, around. Good grief. Um that and and stuff like that the Ford Mondeo.
1: <laughs> Classic cars. All of our American listeners are loving this chat so much.
0: I I think they are. They 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 clearly get on board with British touring cars and what it stands for. Yeah. It's not um, like I'm they've sure got a NASCAR. They'll... British scoring cards is better than NASCAR. Though.
1: Did you know, well? Apparently, I don't know if ma- I might have to Google this to check, but I heard some the other day that NASCAR is the most watched thing on American television.
0: No, surely not. Super Bowl. I might
1: have just made that up, but yeah. But as that's as a one-off event, but over overall, I think over the course of like a year or whatever, NASCAR is the most watched sport. Even though every single baseball team plays 162 games in the regular season.
0: I um I don't believe that, but I think the only reason it could be if is if they're counting each NASCAR race versus each individual team, maybe yeah in 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 American football or um or baseball because obviously if you fo- if you follow a NASCAR team you will watch every race whereas if you follow say um only follow the Red Sox you may well only watch the Red Sox games
1: yeah. And even then, even like you have to be a proper diehard fan to watch every single game. I mean, it would you just wouldn't have time. <laughs> no, no, um, exactly. Yeah,
0: but whereas I think we've got a better a better situation in Britain with sport because football is weekly, maybe twice a week if your team is in Europe or in another competition, um, or if it's things like tennis, you then just have those little patches where there's tennis tournaments on. Yep,
1: the tournament structure is always fun. How does it work in Formula 1? Do they just have like do they drive around until like one car gets wrecked and then that car's out of the tournament and then they all come back the next day?
0: Um in Formula 1, they have they go to different circuits around the world and then there's a set number of laps that they have to do of the circuit so whoever's winning the race at the end of the number of laps wins. Right. Uh,
1: and I know um, from watching cartoons when I was a kid that you're allowed a pit stop to attach attach you some are. honky horns to the car if
0: you <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where you put your blue shell launcher on <laughs> yeah um which is which is you know that's how lewis hamilton's doing so well this year is he's got a really good red yeah. shell team on. He, he 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 just keeps um, getting
1: the like the lightning bolt every time he runs over the question mark i don't know how he does it
0: exactly exactly um i think maybe there's some kind of cheating going on with mercedes because they keep doing that although of course mercedes did appear in one of the recent mario Kart really? games yeah, they had some sponsored content, so some free DLC was you were able to drive around in three different models of Mercedes uh, cars in Mario Kart. I hate that. That's awful. <laughs> which, yeah, which I don't like that, and I also don't really like when they add other people into Mario Kart, so Link was added in. I was like, what's Link doing here? Get out, Yeah, Link. this
1: isn't Super Smash Bros. Yeah, get get in the bin. You shouldn't be driving
0: a car. Well, just like you should be riding a I horse. I think the Legend
1: of Zelda is the greatest video game franchise of all time, and I will I will defend that till I die. But he's Paddy, Paddy, yeah.
0: Paddy, Paddy, Paddy. Excuse me, talker touring cars. <laughs> Sorry, how I, dare I the you? The name
1: of the the talker lord in vain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? um but yes so yeah the new formula one game is very good it's again it's very much for purists there's loads of technical shit that you have to deal with um but i like that i don't know if other people would if you're if you like racing games to be more arcadey you might not enjoy it but
1: i like it sounds like bollocks
0: it's very it's really enjoyable and it's really in depth yeah i i, I guess that, that's
1: um, for fans and purists and whatever yes yeah, yeah
0: it's for people who like racing who like motorsport yeah,
1: so I, I have no interest in motorsport unless it was actually like real life mario kart with shells and everything <laughs> but I, which you can do in japan have you seen this
0: Yes, yeah, I've seen that. You can dress up in the little costumes. Yeah. Of course, Nintendo every so often tries to shut it down because it's a breach of copyright.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got all like it... the branding of Nintendo, and they've not run it by Nintendo at all. No, no, that.
0: and like, and they they do a few nods to try and avoid it. So rather than dressing as Mario, you're dressing as like a plumber or dinosaur that <laughs> kind of thing. Red, blue plumber man. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dinosaur man. Um, but but yeah, so they they keep trying to shut it down. But Nintendo's very strict with its copyright. Yeah um to a fault, I think. I think they kind of damage their own potential.
1: Well, like like they go after strict. people who are making knockoff link toys and stuff.
0: Well yeah, and they go after like fan made games. So there was a fan remake of um the second Metroid game, which took ages to make and then they shut it down and they shut down like fan Pokemon games, even though they're not they're not being made to make money. They're being made as a fan project. And Nintendo's just like no, we closed it. And have down. has there been a um, of-
1: Was there talk of a fan-made Waluigi game that never got done as well?
0: Yeah, well, there's been a few Waluigi games that have been made, um, but yeah, Nintendo doesn't really like it. And also, Nintendo does very little with its back library of games. Um, So there's lots of people who, uh, who... make those games available online and it is illegal but there's no other way to access this history of video gaming apart from that because nintendo refuses to include a sort of digital storefront that has most of its back library Um, and nintendo at the moment is causing a lot of controversy by shutting down these sites that maintain this history Um, and there is sort of like a real issue with there's no real archiving in video games and a lot of games are being lost because they never make it onto future storefronts or anything like that. And like that. how hard would it be um, for them
1: to just build a site where you can get the games like for cheap, a couple of quid, they would make a shitload of money.
0: Yeah, they would. Um but instead they only um allow a selection of them to be available um or they sell bullshit retro consoles uh for an exorbitant amount of money and then don't make enough of them to actually uh like meet the demand so then touts sell them yeah
1: it's very odd
0: like, and that and that's what nintendo does all the time they always supply because they know that it drives up prices and it drives up high but they're
1: not they're not um, getting the money it's the touts who are getting the money
0: no no but they're then getting the extra sort of like oh this is a really rare thing yeah i suppose um they're yeah i they're, they're very protective i think to a fault and Although yeah, I, I, was yeah, happy, I was happy I was happy with the
1: price that I paid for my SNES Mini because I didn't have to pay a tout for it. They had met the supply with that. Yes, yeah,
0: which is good. Whereas then the, the NES Mini um was hugely under they they hugely underproduced for that. Yeah. And it caused all sorts of problems. Um, so Nintendo, step it up, and also just have a digital storefront with the entirety of the NES and SNES back library. Yeah, sort
1: it out once we get talking to them, because we're eventually going to get talking to them when they make the video game of Opposite Day. So we'll yeah, we'll yeah, exactly. we'll get to know their people. We'll we'll dig in. It'll it'll happen. To a couple couple of years yes. time, you know, maybe we can even get Wahlberg to like front the campaign.
0: Yeah, we'll get him involved. Yeah, he'd love it. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with this. Let's yeah. do it. Um, anyway, so shall we start talking about our yeah. movie of this week, uh,
1: which is Opposite Day. No, it's not. Which is Opposite <laughs> no, um, Day. <laughs> thankfully, Mark Wahlberg is not in Moonrise Kingdom.
0: <laughs> and no, he is not. It, um, but I have something controversial to say here, Paddy, which might offend did you. Did you not like it? I didn't really like yeah, well, it. Not, no. not at all. Uh, uh, I I got bored. Okay. Which never really happens with a Wes Anderson movie. I the Wes Anderson films I've seen so far. I've I've enjoyed. Um, but this one I got very bored and I didn't think it was as pretty as his other movies. Interesting.
1: Well And I wasn't
0: really engaged. Well I
1: didn't it was strange. I didn't love it either. See, here's the interesting thing. I remember that the last time I saw it, I was on a plane to Hong Kong. I think it must have been twenty eleven or maybe twenty twelve. Uh, and no twenty twelve it says here that it came out. Maybe twenty thirteen. Yeah. Around that time. Um I was on a long haul flight and I, I you know that apparently when you're in the air your emotions are heightened something to do with the altitude and the way it affects your brain and whatever. So I remember at that time really really loving it and enjoying it and I think I might even have wept at one point because I think I have the emotional plane whatever thing. So I went into it this time rewatching it however many years later expecting to be really floored by it and I wasn't. But I still enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I um I I didn't really enjoy it oh. which, which is very painful for me to say because i've really loved the rest of his films that i've seen and i haven't seen the entirety of wes anderson's back library but i have seen a fair few um and i count like the grand budapest hotel i think is one of my favorite films of all time i love I really that love film. that movie um i really love steve Zissou as well yep. um and i was oh i was i was disappointed and i didn't really enjoy it
1: well, all. I am going to blame this on Roman Coppola, who is the co-writer, because he is Nicolas Cage's cousin, and he probably only got it because of Cage-related nepotism.
0: <laughs> is that so? Yeah. Is that what you? Is that who you're blaming for this movie?
1: Yes, um, and also, well. Coppola also wrote, um, co-wrote oh, with Jason Schwartzman and Wes Anderson, *The Darjeeling Limited*, which I actually have never gotten round to seeing. It's always one of oh, the I films. Oh, I really love *The of,
0: Darjeeling Limited*.
1: It's on the. It's always like on the list of films that I need to watch, but I never get round to it because it looks like great cast and looks like a fun thing. But I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard it's a bit pompous.
0: Well, all of Wes Anderson movies are pompous. That kind of goes with the territory. I I really like *The Darjeeling Limited*. I think that's one of his best. Yeah.
1: As, uh, as much as I really love his work, I can't disagree with that statement.
0: Yeah, it is pompous as all hell. Um, uh, he also apparently wrote the story to Isle of Dogs, which I've not seen.
1: I've not seen that either. Obviously, there, there's some controversy about its depictions of um, Japan and Orientalism and, and whatever, but I hear that it is quite good. Yes, yeah.
0: Um, I've heard the same thing. But yeah, I've I've not got around to seeing it. Um, I don't really... I Well, in terms of his animated films, I watched... A fantastic mr fox and thought it was pretty good but i didn't really love it so i wasn't in any rush to watch another one of those animation focused ones because i feel as though what works incredibly well in wes anderson's films is when they have the human element alongside that artistic and alongside the models um and that kind of hybrid i think works incredibly well and i'm not sure if it works so well when it is that stop motion style um but yeah, so I'm not in that much of a rush to watch it, but I'll I'll get around to it at some
1: point. Yeah, the tra- the trailer for Isle of Dogs looks interesting to me, but it looks like it might be slightly hard work because that visual stop motion style can actually be very very jarring visually at some point if you're not, you know, if you're not used to it, if you don't watch a lot of films with that kind of style. There's a sort of there's a visual literacy that you need to get the most out of that, I think. And I um I don't know if I actually have that, but I will go and I will go and see it at some point.
0: See, I think I do because I really love that style of stop motion and um, I grew up watching those old fashioned movies like Clash of the Titans and Jason and the Argonauts and, and the Sinbad movies where all of the monsters are made in that stop motion animation style. Um, and I love things like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas which I know you're not a fan of but, you know, we'll over, overlook um, that discrepancy.
1: After, after I dissed it on a previous episode friend of the podcast Adam Maleski reminded me which I'd completely forgotten that we went to the cinema to see it together when it was re-released at, uh, we must have been about 17, 18 and he really liked it and I remember sort of thinking it was okay at the time um, so he was kind of surprised that I had dissed it and he, he was worried that I was hiding my true feelings because I didn't want to offend him <laughs> <laughs> and now i feel very bad about it you should feel bad it's a, I, I like that film a lot it's very sweet um and it's, it's and, because i've since come to realize that tim burton is a pompous idiot and but he wasn't
0: involved in it oh yeah it was another guy it was the guy who directed Coraline, which is another great stop
1: motion film yeah that i have seen in like
0: tim burton's role in the nightmare
1: before christmas is much overstated wait what it was his role in it even if there well, was i one. think
0: he i think he created the characters and stuff like that
1: that's a pretty uh, big
0: role but is it in comparison to actually directing the film well, or yeah. writing the music
1: well yeah what if what if it was the nightmare before christmas but it was like completely unrelated characters what if what if it was like the grinch and then santa and then a dog <laughs>
0: well that's almost what it is <laughs> replace replace the grinch with skelly man
1: john skellington
0: (laughs) yeah so so tim burton wrote this wrote the the sort of vague story and characters i don't know if it was based on because you know he occasionally does books yeah but then it was adapted by another guy and then directed by henry selick um who's a stop motion like genius
1: no relation to tom selick i assume
0: i don't believe so no
1: the greatest man who ever Um, lived Exactly, yeah. So
0: Henry Henry Selleck, he did um Coralline. He also did the um James and the Giant Peach movie. Okay, I that?
1: I did enjoy that. I thought that was yeah. great. I think I was the right we were the right age when it for it when it came out, but it was um I, I remember loving that film, seeing it in the cinema. Yeah.
0: yeah. And and he, he so he's got that great artistic style to him. Um he's also directing a um an adaptation of the video game Little Nightmares. Um, which is a really cool little game where you're this kid who wakes up um, and basically has to escape this nightmare environment. It's got this real dream-like, well, nightmare-like quality to it. Um, And and yeah, that's really good. Um, It's a really good game. So that will be interesting to see how he fares with that as well. But um, yeah, he's one of those people who has a real voice. um, And I think it shines through. So even though like The Nightmare Before Christmas is seen as a Tim Burton movie... He was involved in sort of like the the groundwork of it with the characters and stuff like that. But really, the 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 bulk of the great work done on it was Henry Selick and then Danny Elfman's score.
1: He dug the grave, and then Danny Elfman died in it.
0: <laughs> this is The Simpsons. This is The Simpsons.
1: <laughs> Danny Danny Elfman will be talked about on next week's episode as well. But we can we can park that <laughs> for now
0: yes yeah. yes um anyway yes yeah, so moonrise kingdom um for those of you who've not seen it it's about a kid at scout camp who runs away with a girl and they have a little sort of coming of age romance thing um and that's and that's really like the core of the story and 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 they sort of like escape finishes about halfway through and then the rest of it is kind of about the ramifications of it yeah um and sort of like their attempts to then rebel again and escape again and that kind of stuff
1: yeah how do you move on from it how do you how do you provide a resolution that kind of thing and the the resolution at the end of it is actually quite neat there's just kind of one scene that it's like a, a few months later or whatever that implies or it shows that the the young boy who is an orphan who's been moved from place to place is adopted by bruce willis who is the island cop and then he's like a mini bruce willis cop which is quite enjoyable and he still gets to go out with his lady friend so that's that's good that's nice it ends really nicely
0: yeah it does it's a real neat ending and it's a very sweet ending um and and i really like bruce willis in this film i don't know if he's done any other wes anderson movies apart from this one or if it was just a one-off
1: he's he done a voice on isle of dogs i think Ah, okay um but yes, as far as I know, he hasn't appeared in any of Wes's other films. And I think this is one of Bruce Willis's most interesting roles. Because, I mean, it it shows actually that it, well, it reminds you that he's versatile, which is always at the back of your mind. But then they keep making diehard films that he's like... <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that interview with him on the one show? I think it was it's for the so last good. Die Hard film where he's just really, really grumpy about it and just like yeah. giving nothing away. And he clearly just doesn't care and doesn't want to do it anymore. But he's doing it because it's like bit of easy cash, give the people what they want or whatever. But you just think of him as the Die Hard guy.
0: Because that's the thing is that before Die Hard, he was most known for sort of comedy and things like that, wasn't he? So he was on that, um, what's that TV show that he did? Moonlighting. Yeah, I've Um, never seen it. Which, yeah, no, I've never seen either. But that was sort of like what he was most known for. And then all of a sudden he was in Die Hard, which is, you know, one of the quintessential action movies of all time. And it kind of changed his um changed his persona in the in the wider sort of hollywood world where he was then this um this action star but beyond that he he's done a lot of interesting films so death becomes her is a really great little dark comedy um you've got things like the last boy scout which although it's an action movie it's much smarter than your average action movie um he's in paddy's favorite film pulp fiction um M- more intellectual science fiction movies like 12 Monkeys. He's done a lot of interesting stuff over the years, but unfortunately he's never been able to sort of like get out of that shell of being the guy from Die Hard. Apart from, I suppose, also being the guy whose kid sees dead people. Yeah, I know it's not his kid, but, no,
1: you know. No, it is not. That's the whole thing. Whoop, boop, 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 boop. Do you think anyone's, like, if they haven't seen The Sixth Sense, like does not know the thing about it maybe skip the next 20 seconds if you, if you haven't seen the sixth sense <laughs> and know nothing about it but everyone knows that that's like that's like a meme in itself that bruce willis is a ghost right
0: yeah 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 i think i think yeah. even if you've not seen the movie much like um things like the usual suspects i think the the twist has become so big yeah. that it's almost impossible to go into it without knowing what's happened
1: yeah and that one kevin spacey's the ghost
0: yeah kevin spacey's the ghost
1: um yeah but i think bruce willis is actually a very good actor and in um, he's really good yeah death becomes her is an incredibly weird and wonderful film and it has um, meryl streep's really incredible performance as well um as the the ghosty woman we're talking about a lot of ghost films
0: yeah because in that they're not they're, they're they're sort of brought back from the dead aren't they um and they can't they can't die um, and yeah, it's a very, it is a very strange film. But I remember watching it when I was very long, very young, and being absolutely transfixed. Um, and and even now, like I watched it a couple of years ago, and it's still really funny. It's still a great little movie. Um, and so yeah, it'd be uh, it, it's it's a good one. And, it, and but yeah, it's again one of those things where like Bruce Willis, he plays a very different character, and that's what he's known for. And his character in in Moonrise Kingdom isn't quite away from being the hard man. There's a stern side to Bruce Willis in this movie, but underneath that, there's that vulnerability which slowly shows itself. Um, which I really appreciate and it 's a great performance by him he 's really good in this film
1: it is it 's really good and he 's not over the top it's very it 's a very subtle performance which for a film where there 's so much going on visually that really really grabs the eye and draws the attention there 's a lot going on under the surface with bruce Willis 's acting, which is yeah I think I think his performance in this is really great and it really makes it actually because he 's kind of the thread that ties all of the other characters together and he you get the sense that he feels that and that it 's on his shoulders.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly, and and on top of that, often in Wes Anderson movies, you do get quite cartoonish performances just because of the nature of his films. And so, having something that's a little more grounded and a little more subtle actually works incredibly well here. Yeah, um, and and he's kind of he's like Bruce Willis's character, Captain Sharp, has got that kind of gravitas around him that you're right, it ties together everything else. Um, and I'd say that al- although I I I didn't really enjoy this movie, he was the kind of Whenever he was on screen, that was when I was, like, my interest perked up. There was something about his performance that really, really worked and really made everything gel together that little bit more.
1: It's because you love cops.
0: I do love cops. Um, I'm all about the thin blue line.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so he's very, very good. And then you've got the... The, the kids, obviously, who are the main um, the main event. And it's a sort of young teen, pre-teen romance thing, isn't it? So they're supposed to be like, what, 12, 13, 14 in that age? And they actually, yeah, the actors 13, actually are. I? Yeah, so they're obviously new actors. Apparently they spent something like eight months trying to find the right, the right kids for it, which is fair enough.
0: Yes, and they both do decent performances as well, I think. I think they both do very well. And they match that style for Wes Anderson that he wants from, like,
1: young leads yeah it looks like they practiced giving the camera hard stares that are supposed to be allow you to read lots into them for a long time for many months
0: i think that's what those eight months were doing they were just standing there silently yeah and being like no you've got to look a little bit more stern no a little bit more vulnerable yeah
1: there we go you've got it eyebrows eyebrows now. up eyebrows up what did i tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> um But yeah, they they both do a really good job.
1: Yeah, um I'm sure that both of them will go on to great careers because I think looking at them now, they're just like 18, 19 now. So oh, okay, yeah, she, they've, she's they've done been a, they've a done, done a fair things. amount. Okay. They've both
0: done a fair amount um of stuff since, which is a good sign. So yeah, you can see them both carving good careers for themselves.
1: Yeah, she's appeared. She's also an Isle of Dogs. Okay, fine. And so he appears in Patterson, which I have not seen, but I really want to because I think Adam Driver plays a bus driver. So...
0: <laughs> Adam Bus Driver. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I've I've heard Patterson's good. I, yeah. Again, I've not seen it myself.
1: It's yeah, so our main um... man, Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> he it.
0: is our main
1: man. Yeah. <laughs> fact, no, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've ever mentioned Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> 68 episodes in. <laughs> yeah
0: although but we will be watching one of his movies um i will not say which one but let's just say that there is a a um a certain holiday event that's coming up soon which one of his movies would be suitable for yeah which will be part of said event for us um but yes um it's uh yeah and and it's it's an interesting film moonrise kingdom because when i think of wes anderson movies and i think this is part of where my my sort of fatigue came in watching it um, I often think of really varied landscapes and really varied locations, and sort of like different color palettes and things like that. So when you think of when you think of um, the Grand Budapest Hotel, you've got the sort of purples, you've got the whites of the snowy landscapes, you've got the darker areas of town where they're covering Adrian Brady and Willem Dafoe. Um, you've got the warmth of like the different houses as well. Um, whereas in Moonrise Kingdom, I don't think there's that variety. And a lot of what Wes Anderson movies work on is being visually striking. and I didn't really feel as though this was as visually striking as some of his other work. And I think maybe that's where it fell down a bit for me.
1: Yes, I I, broadly, I agree with that. And that is what I started to feel as well about maybe just towards the end, it started to drag just a little bit for me. I still really enjoyed it and found it to have a very kind of youthful, exuberant energy. And I just... Do still think it was really visually stunning and really great to to watch but yeah by the time they got to kind of the the second time around of them being chased and and running away i just got a bit bored and kind of wanted it to come to a resolution or for it to be about something other than running away but it was just yeah. like um yeah it, it was still nice to watch but yeah you're right if you compare it to the grand budapest hotel which isn't a fair comparison really but it, it is, it's a meritable comparison because it's the film that came after same director, same kind of basic idea two young people running away. Um, a kind of young, a youthful romance, very, very different. But if you compare it to that, yeah, it's not, there's not as much to visually engage with. And it feels almost as if this was a test run for some of the things that happened in the grand Budapest hotel. It's almost like a proto grand Budapest hotel. So many of the elements and so many of the characters and the cast and stuff, you'd, um, follow follow up with the Grand Budapest Hotel and it was like yeah you can see a through line there but it's not quite as good or as engaging and visually it's all that kind of island New England scenery which I really really love and I, I don't know why it's like I've, I've always really really felt an affinity with that kind of scenery I'd love to have that kind of island house and I love those colors and the way that it looks and stuff so I really really engaged with that side of it visually so that sort of washed over me in a nice way and I think I didn't get bored of that as quickly as you did but I still did eventually which does show you that perhaps it's a little bit samey and when you know how capable Wes Anderson is of doing that on such a big scale yeah it falls just a little bit flat
0: yeah and that's the thing it's you know it is pretty and it's a pretty landscape but there's no variety there and the, and the plot itself isn't interesting enough to warrant you not getting bored whereas if you look at the grand budapest hotel not only do you have the that that sort of like young people romance side of it you've also got the larger mystery and all of that kind of heist element yeah so that's much more interesting from a plot perspective as well and i'd say that even previous works of his are much more interesting from from the plot side of things. Um, so the Darjeeling Limited has a much more sort of emphasis on various relationships. Um, Life Aquatic is a, a screwball comedy put through a lens of grief um, and, and again has those various different relationship dynamics which I think are missing here. And I think that's another area where this movie lacks is when you think of Wes Anderson's films, a lot of it is about the interchangeable, interchangeable relationships between a group of people. Whereas here, there is a group of people and they all have their own relationships with one another, but it's all very segmented. Yeah. Um, and you don't really get that, that bleed through into other people that you do in his other films.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it doesn't go as deep on the secondary characters as some of the others. And instead, it, it goes too deep on the elements of scouting and the sense of boyish adventure which is obviously what he was trying to do because it's it's very very good on those kind of things and it is fun but that is kind of at the expense of the characterization of the others that makes so many of his other films so good when they all really really work together and come together whereas it's the secondary characters do still feel secondary which they don't in a lot of his films like even like Willem Dafoe's character in the Grand Budapest Hotel he doesn't have that much screen time but you really get the sense of his real kind of evil fucked upness yeah
0: he's one of my favorite parts of the entire film he's great in that um and um and yeah unless you don't really get that that kind of dynamic um where and and that's maybe where I think it truly falls down not so much on i mean visually you know it it is very different from his other work and and i think to a detrimental effect, but I think the real issue here is the lack of an interesting plot and the lack of a diverse range of characters who you really get to know
1: yeah but it's it still works for me because what carries it off is the the romance itself and that the the encapsulation of being that age and just sort of starting to stumble into the idea of romance in your life there's a really really good scene i i really enjoyed the i don't know what you made of them but i really enjoyed the flashbacks and i wanted kind of more of the flashbacks to the earlier parts of their young preteen romance and actually if you'd have focused on that instead of having lots of arsing around scouting chasing scenes you might have had a more satisfying plot and climax resolution of that but there's the scene where um the kid what's his what's his name sam and susie they're in um some kind of weird play musical together and he sort of sneaks into the girl's dressing room and has this really awkward conversation with her while they're all dressed up as birds and actually, that actually felt kind of real to me even though obviously it was still cartoonish but that element of it I found really interesting and that I think is something that you very rarely get done on film and even more rarely you get done well which is the idea of finding your feet in romance at that age especially in a film that isn't made for children
0: yeah and and i mean i i also really like those flashback scenes i didn't like that particular one i found that was one of the most awkwardly pretentious moments of the movie and i was just like oh get it over with
1: you didn't Um, do acting in your early teens then did you
0: i did do acting in my early teens yeah (laughs) um yes i was a a nasty puritan in um the crucible uh i was when i was at school um, I I played one of the wrongins who was all like, "Yeah, burn them all, burn them, hang them, brah." <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I, I I can't remember what the character name is. Was it Hale? Hale's one of the one of the wrongans, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I I played him at school. Um, but yeah, I just found I found that scene a little bit too on the on the snooty side for my liking but okay. overall i really liked those flashback scenes okay, well i guess um, i
1: identified with that quite a lot because i went to an all boys school and one of the only ways you could meet girls was to do plays when they got together with the local girls school so that i think that had a particular resonance for me
0: oh there we go i think maybe they just made this film for you paddy yeah
1: i mean i mean um, well I, I didn't do scouting beyond primary school age but yeah I think I I still would have would have done had I had the chance and bits of my boyhood were scoutish, I guess.
0: Did your boyhood take twelve years
1: to make? It, it it's it's still going, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: Yeah, I, 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 I found yeah, that in general those flashback scenes did work though. Um and you're right about the way that very few movies are able to successfully pull off that idea of young romance to this level and and I think there's various reasons why that happens and maybe the primary one is um the to, to pull that off well you need to have actors of that age you can't have people older pretending to play 12 and 13 year olds yeah and so then you're putting a big gamble on making sure that you hire young people who are good enough to actually pull that
1: off unlike high school prom movies where some actors can be well into their 30s and it's totally fine
0: <laughs> well exactly you can you can get away with having people who are in their early 20s who look young playing a later teen and so that's why so many of those teen romances can kind of work equally from a from a profit perspective you can show those movies to people who are in the 11 12 13 range and they'll be quite happy to watch them and sort of emulate those ideas of romance that they see on the screen at that time and kind of translate them into their own feelings of romance as they're starting to get to grips with their own feelings and emotions yeah um so it there's gives no... them
1: something to engage with on that level
0: yeah exactly um so there's no so i i imagine at least from a and also from a writing perspective it's it's much trickier to pull off that early notion of romance um so i imagine just as it's a sheer gamble to do a lot of people don't look at that sort of era yeah. um of of people's romance um when it's much safer and easier to pull it off when it's a at a, at a later time in their lives um but yeah, it's 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 interesting to see it being put onto screen and, and I think it does it quite successfully. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it I think it kind of converts those ideas of romance quite well. You believe um, it and you believe you the do. the
1: awkwardness that they have of being that age. It's definitely yeah, that's is believable and engaging.
0: Yeah, you do, you do believe it. And like I think what works as well is that it's it's two outcasts coming together. Um, which I think really helps matters. So not only does it is it just a a young budding romance, but also you've got that us against the world dynamic, which works so well in cinema, and it's, and it's that very romantic notion, isn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And there, yeah, there are some like quite funny, sweet moments where they're on the run, but she's like reading to him while they're lying on the beach and stuff, where they're trying to act like adults, performing romance, and that's yeah, that 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 those scenes kind of tickled me, and they're quite fun. And it's like again how you. When you're that age, you're still kind of taking your cues from adults as to, or f- films and books and whatever, as to how you approach romance and how what you're supposed to do. And there's a slight performative element to what they were doing that made it very interesting.
0: And and that's the thing is that so much of romance is is learnt from is, is learnt from media. Um. So so when you when you are developing sort of romantic feelings and how to interact from a romantic perspective, you sort of you have, like potentially you have like the 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 love at home as you see between like your your mum and dad or you have what you see on television or you have what you read about or you have what you see at the cinema and those are kind of like the only real things that you have that kind of tell you how romance operates and how you should operate from a romantic perspective um either that or getting stuck in on terrible um mra uh, forums and saying how should I talk to women? Well, first you've got to nag them, and then and then they'll go out with you, that kind of thing.
1: Thankfully, this film's set in the '60s, so they didn't have Reddit back then.
0: <laughs> exactly. If they had Reddit, it would have been entirely different. You would have had Sam being like, "Oh, all the all these bitches they yeah. don't want to go out with me because of my <laughs> incel, my incel face." <laughs> he walking forever into, like, alone
1: the changing room where they're all dressed as birds and being like, "What up, bitches? You look ugly." And then they'd all and then they all go out with him. He'd he just
0: walk out with his arms around all of them. <laughs> as some like hip hop plays. Doves yeah. fly out from somewhere. That's the end of the film. Um <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I, I did find it interesting because because um, from my own perspective, um my my sort of like early teenage years, um, I didn't really have any sort of romantic sort of interest at the time because my own brain was too tied up in in the budding depression that I didn't really understand um, and so I didn't really have the same sort of feelings about it as other people but this kind of movie kind of hits home what those kind of like kernels of emotions were like if you know what I mean
1: yeah it doesn't um, matter and- what particular emotion it might be you can still identify it with the reasons that both of them feel like outcasts
0: yes yeah exactly and and so it's a kind of fascinating look at at um at that time in someone's lives and those formative years where they're trying to work out what it means to be an adult if they can even work out what it means to be an adult um that said i got bored in this
1: movie yeah
0: (laughs) and i want to stipulate that is although there's although although it touches on all of these things i don't know how successful it truly was at conveying that in a way that's fully interesting as a movie
1: yeah it got too bogged down in having having fun with the aesthetic and the the sort of scout capering fight scenes like it, it, there was way too much of that and not enough of the romantic backstory for me and you still and that was all within the the aesthetic of the kind of island summer holiday scouting 60s new england thing but you still i think could have done a lot more of those on the flashback side of things to make that work or something as well. Maybe just spent a bit more time on the other characters. It wasn't super long. So I actually wouldn't have minded if it was a bit longer, but it was at the expense of the, the interesting stuff rather than the boring stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the problem is that you kind of know that if they had extended it, it would have followed the same kind of pattern because it's not as though it's a structurally unstable movie. Um, They clearly worked out the structure and pacing very well. Um, but clearly what they wanted to convey was a little bit too much of the kind of slapstick chase scenes. Yeah. Um, I hated that first fight scene that they don't show, apart from the fact that they showed a dead dog and then they had to deal with a dead dog. Yeah, that, that, was, was, that very was very strange. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. thought that was a really funny element that they, yeah. they threw in. It. And it kind of that was the one of those few moments in the film where it didn't go to a place that I was expecting where they showed this dog with an arrow in its neck. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, what's that doing in this movie? Yeah. Um, and almost everything else in the movie was kind of like point for point what I was expecting from the film, apart yeah. from that. And I think that's why it worked so well. It's like, oh, okay, that's a bit unexpected.
1: Yeah, and usually there's a lot more unexpected twists and turns with a Wes Anderson film, aren't there? It's, it's much more once once everything is set up and you're fully immersed in the aesthetic and you understand the characters and whatever, everything kind of comes together quite neatly, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and and you're and you're right in that there's always the unexpected in Wes Anderson films, um, but in this I didn't feel like there was. It felt a little bit too safe, um, a little bit too twee without having that nasty edge to it, which Wes Anderson often puts in—just that little bit of shock.
1: Yeah, because he he's always walking the twee tightrope, isn't he? That's the the kind of the number one criticism of people who don't like his work. Um, always to say that it's twee and he's always he's always walking that tightrope isn't he
0: yeah and 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 in general it is twee but if you break up twee with interesting moments it leads to very effective cinema which is what what he generally creates but here i didn't think there were enough of those interesting moments um, And I think I've said before that I'd really love him to do a horror movie, like mm. a full on horror movie, but keeping his aesthetic choices and keeping all of those cute little sets and stuff like that. And there was a one brief moment in this film where I thought, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I'd be looking for. I want 90 minutes of this. And it's when the storm hits and they're they're in the church. I think it's the church, isn't it? Yeah. Or or,
1: or like the hall or whatever it is. Yeah, um, it's and, the spire of the church. And, and they get to the top
0: yeah and, and and there's that bit where where bruce willis looks up and he sees all of the kids with the masks on and then like the lights go out and they flash back up again and like two of them are gone on like that's a really great little dramatic horror moment give me a really creepy wes anderson movie that's what i want i want him to do a full-on horror film
1: yeah with bruce willis bill murray jason schwartzman all his usual people yeah
0: keep the keep the same cast there's a list the of only movie. 20 I'd people who are
1: allowed to be in wes anderson films
0: <laughs> exactly um, but i'd love it i'd love it if he did a if he did a horror movie it would be brilliant wes if you're listening mate yeah do a i know, horror I know movie.
1: you listen every week
0: you you have literally one person who would like to see you do a horror film no, I I d- i'd
1: i owe watch it, it to you
0: two people you know it's going up all the time at this rate everybody in the world's going to want to see your horror movie Wes.
1: yeah what's he working on right now there's nothing on filmography here that says future it just stops at isle of dogs there's got to be something
0: He's probably working on something but he's not announced it yet. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm sure I'm sure
1: there'll be another film soon. Yeah. But what was I gonna say? There are so there are some nice um, some really good shots as well, aren't there? That's the thing you always get interesting shots, like things from the the point of view of like when you're driving down the road, like from the car like out the front of the car and stuff like that. So all of that was visually engaging, don't you think?
0: yes yeah it it was a it was a it's a pretty movie it is a pretty film as you expect from wes anderson it is it is like stunning to look at and you can take lots of nice little screenshots of this film that show how pretty it is um but i don't know if it fully worked in terms of keeping people's attention
1: no, you're right. It just yeah, it goes it and it underuses a lot of its the rest of the cast as well. Like Frances McDormand and Bill Murray and all those people, they get very very little screen time, but you know that their their characters are actually very very interesting. Maybe they're actually quite complex as parents or that kind of thing, but they're not given that much space to to dig in.
0: No, no, you're completely right. They they don't have enough screen time to really stretch their legs, which is a bit of a shame. I uh, I would have liked to have seen more of that.
1: Yeah. Did you like the the music? So it opens with the um going through Benjamin Britten's The Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra, which is great. I thought that was really good fun.
0: Yeah, it's very clever the use of music in this film. And and again, I think that's an area where Wes Anderson always excels is the scores. Um and sort of like whoever does the music for each and every movie. I don't know if he's got the same team that does it every time or if he chops and changes between them. Yeah. Um, well, this is Alexander
1: but... Desplat who does a lot of this kind of stuff, doesn't he? He's done uh-huh. Twilight, he's done Fantastic Mr Fox, done a lot of Harry Potter, done Isle of Dogs. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So it seems like they've worked together a fair bit. Um.
0: It, yeah, so it's, it, and, and it works very well here again. And it's got that kind of quirkiness to it that matches the overall sort of like tone of the film very well.
1: Yeah. And the, yeah, the Benjamin Britten thing was really, really cool. I remember listening to that when I was in like music class when I was quite young, uh, maybe like year seven and thinking it was amazing how it went through all the different bits of the orchestra and that being an introduction to understanding the orchestra and stuff and actually serving its purpose for what it was meant to do. And then to have that used in a film to introduce elements of the film kind of subtly and, and in a sort of obviously allegorical way, I still found quite cool. I liked that.
0: Yeah, it's 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 nice the way that it all ties together. I think um, that, that very, hooked me. It's a very it's a very cute little film, a very clever little film.
1: Yeah, and what did you make of um, Edward Norton as the Scoutmaster?
0: And yeah, he's he's really good. He's 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 great. I really like Ed Norton in general, um, and and he's got that kind of sympathetic quality, but at the same time that hard edge on top of it all. Um so he almost acts like a foil to Bruce Willis's character, um, with different kinds of, of regimen, I suppose, and different methods of sternness and softness. Mm. And so they work quite well together as a duo, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I I really like that. I thought it was I thought it was really good, actually. Very, very and very funny as well. Very funny and engaging in the pit where he says that. He starts to talk about they're like what's his job? He's like, oh, I'm a maths teacher, and then like five minutes later he decides, actually, no, this is my job, and I'm a maths teacher on the site. And you're like, Yeah, good for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is really it's really neat. I really like that. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a really clever little performance from him again. And he, he always does very well when he's in these movies. Yeah, for sure. Um he's he's always great. So yeah. You can't you can't beat the actual cast of a Wes Anderson film. They always pull it out the back don't
1: they yeah especially yeah if, if it was a different cast or just a less good cast it would it would be a terrible film it would be excruciating to watch if these people weren't acting it properly and acting it in a way that fits with Wes's aesthetic as well
0: yes yeah exactly
1: if it was Shia LaBeouf and... <laughs>
0: yeah. Shia LaBeouf in every role
1: <laughs> yeah it's like one-man show
0: yeah, Shia-, Shia LaBeouf runs away with Shia LaBeouf.
1: That's going to be his next art installation. You just know it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm on board with that. That would be great. Come
1: yeah. And did you did you think as well that the bit where they they sort of they they kiss on the beach and then she's like, oh, you can touch my chest. Like some people, I think, were kind of weirded out by that, but I think it was it was just about appropriate because at that age, you're starting to understand sexuality, aren't you? so it's just again just a little bit of a depiction of the fact that like as a teen you're sexually awakening at that age and there are things that you're exploring that you don't really understand and it didn't go into any weird detail on it it wasn't like pervy but some people i think were a bit weirded out by it
0: yeah i think i think it's a continuation of those overall themes of starting to understand what romance is um and and yeah i think it handled it quite well And, and and yeah, I, I I don't have any problems with that scene. I can understand that some people might be a little bit prudish about it. Yeah,
1: um, but, but I think I it was think... it was good that it did that because at that age, that is what you would do and what you would explore. But I think a lot of filmmakers would be afraid to do it because it would just be dismissed as pervy and weird, you know?
0: Yes, and and I think if it was in a if it was in the hands of another filmmaker, it might come across that way. But because there's that disconnect in a Wes Anderson film where everything feels like a fairy tale yeah um it's that one step separate from reality even more so than your normal film
1: michael bay's moonrise kingdom
0: (laughs) michael bay's moonrise kingdom um like they start making out and then there's some explosions in the sea behind them um and and then the moon rises and says i've come to take you away
1: (laughs) to my kingdom
0: to my kingdom and then Bruce Willis turns up on a motorbike with a shotgun on one shoulder and is like, "Get back, kids! I'm going to yeah. blow up the
1: moon." Yeah, and then he shoots for the moon.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. Actually, Michael That's Bay. You. If you're listening, <laughs> I want this movie made now. Come on! I know Relate you listen moon every Rose week. Kingdom. We know. We know that you love us, Michael.
1: Michael Bay is okay now because he was involved in a quiet place, so like he's allowed.
0: Well, he does a lot of decent production. Yeah yeah oh, i know mikey he does loads of good stuff um maybe not his transformers movies but even oh, some mikey. of his even some of his early direction i like as well. yeah just not not the transformers films okay. um but yeah like yeah in the hands of even in the hands of another competent indie filmmaker i don't know whether it would necessarily work that well um yeah but because of right. the way that wes anderson makes movies like the themes are always that much more visual if you know what i mean
1: it's in- incredibly visual yeah and there's always like some allegorical biblical shit going on and whatever and you can read whatever you want to into it which is great it's good for you know pe- people who are in the second year of a film studies degree i think that's who this is really for
0: <laughs> exactly it's made for you and people who are studying film studies
1: <laughs> yeah but um, but I, I really like that it did that with preteen romance because there are I honestly can't think of any other film that does it for one thing or that does it well either or that doesn't do it in a weird way or that isn't kind of that I said is uh, isn't aimed at that kind of audience you know that isn't yes, like some yeah. kind of Miley Cyrus bullshit.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, it's it's yeah, it's very cleverly done, and I think it does it well. Um, so, so from
1: that point of view. I'm really glad that it exists and that, you know, it had that kind of vision and drive and that he did that, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think it serves a purpose. Um, The, I still don't like the movie though. Yeah. I can understand what they were going for, but I still did not enjoy this movie very much. And it's not going to be one that I have on repeat watches anytime soon
1: no i don't think it's going to be one that i necessarily return to but i did still i did still enjoy it i i did still like it it just started to drag a little bit for me and i think i i feel the same frustrations that you feel with it but in a much smaller way
0: yeah whereas for me it's kind of um it's not often that i'm more critical of movies than you are but this is (laughs) going to be two weeks in a row where i am the grumpy one
1: oh is this the is this the dynamic am i the am i the critic
0: <laughs> you're the critic i'm the softy
1: <laughs> oh i hadn't i hadn't realized that's interesting. well I,
0: I i think sometimes i think because of the way that we look at movies differently it sort of it sort of goes up and down but uh, uh, of late you have been the grumpier one but the last couple of weeks i've been more critical than you have
1: yeah yeah this is true because i was i was i was nicer to passengers wasn't i Yes, yeah. I was... Sleepless in Seattle, we more or less agreed on. We were right? pretty
0: close, yeah.
1: I Yeah, I was rude about Chalet Girl. I was Well, P.S. I love you, we don't need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and The Shape of Water, I loved. So that's, yeah, this is, yeah, this is an interesting shift in the dynamic. It's, be- yeah, it's been a slight change. You're becoming a monster. Next week, you're just going to come on and just incoherently scream. <laughs> Tune
0: in for four hours of me just screaming at the top of my lungs and sobbing in between.
1: (laughs) Oh dear! Yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. Do you have anything else you want to say about it? Um, we're more or less there
0: we're more or less there i just like to point out that wes anderson always gets lots of praise for his you know direction and everything like that but just a shout out to his cinematographer robert yeoman who who's done cinematography on i don't know if it's every single one of his movies but certainly a lot of them and he's clearly incredibly talented and a real voice of his own so just shout out to you robert yeoman we ain't forgetting about you
1: do they always work together
0: pretty much yeah i think i don't know if they've worked on every single movie as director of photography and director but a lot of them at least
1: that's cool you know what they say behind every great man stands a brilliant director of photography yes i've got one yeah sits in the it's me (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually Um, behind you controlling your life all the time (laughs) deciding what you see and don't see yeah it is creepy. Um, That'd be an interesting kind of Truman Show-like film, wouldn't it?
0: It would if if everybody had like a director behind them.
1: Yeah, who was deciding what to what they did not didn't see. That'd be quite cool. Yeah. Well, we've got to get through opposite day first.
0: We do need to get through opposite day before we make an actual yeah. serious movie like that because that sounds quite intense.
1: It does. It's um, going to be a lot
0: of work. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, but that, that, that's about it. Um, I just thought it'd be worth worth pointing out that you know there's this great cinematographer who works on on most if not all of Wes anderson's movies um so in terms of trivia um so the dance scene was filmed at the very end of filming um because the two young leads would be most comfortable around each other at that point
1: interesting and that's that's a risk as well because if it goes badly and then you've got to insert it into the middle of the film and it's like a really pivotal scene then yeah
0: yeah what if some what if one of them had lost a finger during a fight scene yeah, and I have what, to give him a fake finger.
1: What if the cat had died?
0: <laughs> um, Bill Murray taught Jared Gilman how to tie a necktie for the first time.
1: Well, that's adorable. Which is quite sweet, isn't it? Yeah, old Bill. Oh, Bill, he is—he does seem quite <laughs> old in this film, doesn't he? He's sort of grey and livid.
0: Yeah, he's—he—he he looks a bit haggard in this movie, which I, obviously is his character.
1: Yeah. But, um,
0: is—is also the um the smallest budget for a wes anderson movie since bottle rocket oh interesting as well
1: what was it does it say uh so six million dollars it says 16 here on wikipedia six. oh yeah where, where yeah. are you looking at Go i'm on. on
0: imdb but it may well be that someone just
1: typed that's it got room. it that's got to be a typo the same amount of money as the room Come
0: on, <laughs> well, you know you can't beat The Room. It was the, the most visually appealing movie of all time. Yeah, okay, that, yeah, that has a...
1: The Room has an aesthetic. <laughs>
0: it does. It's got a real voice of its own. Um, yeah, so it's, it's clearly supposed to be sixteen million dollars, not six million dollars. Yeah, here.
1: but that's IMDb's still like a wrong, relatively still... low budget for films yeah, that's being made budget. in this era, or even in twenty twelve, like how seven, yeah, six years ago. Like that was that was a that's still a pretty low budget and but you look at how amazingly visually appealing it is that's pretty amazing really
0: yes yeah it's very and, and it just goes to show that you know good framing and everything like that makes up for a smaller budget you don't you don't need a big budget to have good cinematography um it, it's sort of like the the issue you know that a lot of people run into and, and also, like, it, you can understand why this was a smaller budget than some of the others, because it's very, very simple in its approach and in its setting and everything like that. Yeah. Um, it's Find, much, it's find much some less... islands
1: with some nice-looking houses, buy a bunch of Scout uniforms, you're in.
0: Yes, it's a much less complex movie than a lot of his, which is probably why. Yeah. Um. But, yes, uh, that that'll do, I think.
1: Well, I've got one bit of trivia, which is that um, the actor who played Susie, what's her name, Kara something, um, she got to keep the cat after they'd finished filming. Yeah, oh, that's very nice. Which again, it's is quite an adorable little little bit of trivia.
0: You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's like in Game of Thrones, um, there's the dire wolves and um, they've been adopted
1: by by some of the cast and stuff like that. Are they actual wolves? They're,
0: well, they're they're like husky dogs.
1: Oh, okay. So oh, <laughs> just some of them crazy. had to take had to take a wolf home at the end of the series. <laughs> like, come on, guys, somebody's got to look after. Someone's got
0: to take the wolf home.
1: Is like my house isn't really equipped for this. Shut up, take it. <laughs> Too
0: bad. Yeah, have a wolf.
1: Everyone gets a wolf. Yeah. Um, but Wolves yeah, so for that, all.
0: That. So that that was the trivia side of things for me. Um, but yeah, cool.
1: How are we gonna rate this then?
0: Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, how many dead dogs out of 20?
1: <laughs> how many dogs are going to die on your scout camp over the summer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm on yeah. board with that. Um, this movie gets a 10 from me. Ooh. Ouch. Um Yeah, I, 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 I really wanted to like it. I, I really did, but I just got bored um and i was disappointed because i really loved the rest of his work and this i feel was easily the weakest of the ones i've seen of his Um, yeah which is a shame because so much good work was put into it and i can see what they were trying to do but it just didn't work for me
1: that's that's fair enough i um i'm gonna give it a 15 because i still really enjoyed it but i i've just i felt what you felt but on a much smaller scale i still there were things in it that i really identified with and enjoyed it's just yeah on a, a second watch um, it didn't ring true as much. And like I said, as well, um, now that we've sat, we've got the Grand Budapest Hotel and we know what he's capable of in the context of his wider over, it seems a little bit flat. But it's still it's still very good and fun and enjoyable. And if you haven't seen it, I still would recommend watching it. I still think you'll have fun.
0: I'd recommend watching literally any one of his other movies first.
1: Oh, if you before haven't. Before you go to this. If world. you haven't seen any of his work yeah, don't start with this one.
0: Yeah, go and go and watch the Grand Budapest Hotel or the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, yeah. or Darjeeling Limited first. I'd say I think those are the three ones which are the most engaging plot-wise. Not Rushmore, or maybe Rushmore, but I think he really found his voice later on. I love um, Rushmore. Um, and, I think and, it's hilarious. And those, but I, but I think those other three m- much more have those strong visual cues that you get from his movies, yeah, alongside having an engaging plot.
1: Yeah, um, or, also, or potentially the Royal Tenenbaums as well. Oh yeah, or the Royal yeah. Tenenbaums as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: so before you watch this, if you've not seen any of his other work, maybe watch something else first, other yeah. ones you might not. Because a, a lot of what works about this movie is that Wes Anderson style. Yeah. Um, so maybe start with another one which works better before going to this one.
1: Yeah, and not, not in a sort of Marvel, you have to have seen this to understand this way just no, kind no. of it's you don't, about under, understanding <laughs> his approach to filmmaking.
0: There are no if infinity stones in this movie. You don't have to have watched the entirety of the cinematic universe of Wes Anderson to understand it. Yeah,
1: the WACU.
0: Um, not going to lie, I'm, I'm I am getting a bit bored of all of the Marvel movies.
1: Yeah, me too. And I don't think like, I've even seen any of them. <laughs> <laughs> apart from like, apart from Black Panther. A which, few, a few of them I've really good. enjoyed.
0: Yeah, Black Panther's really good. I know you've not seen the Guardians movies, but they're good. Oh, yeah. The second Captain America movie. In fact, both of the Captain America movies have been good. But the overall Avengers films, I'm not that fussed about. Like, I feel like it's a bit too much. Yeah. Um. So I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting a bit bored of it all. Or a Star Wars. Give me all of that Star Wars. Yeah. I don't I don't care if it's good or bad. Just throw Star Wars at me every year. Give me a Star Wars movie.
1: Yeah. I think they're overdoing Star Wars and they're they're milking that cow, for sure. But I have enjoyed all of the new Star Wars films, so I have no and I will want to see every single one, so I have no issue with that. I thought yeah. The Last Jedi was great. And all the like men's rights activist idiots who want to remake it are the stupidest fucking bunch of idiots on the planet.
0: Well I think I think Get there's in two... the bin. There's two lots of people that aren't happy with The Last Jedi. And and that's sort of like the MRA types who haven't been happy with the new films since the first one because they yeah. saw a, a black guy and a woman mm-hmm. as the two leads, mm-hmm. which makes them very unhappy. But then also there's the people who are purists about the idea behind Star Wars. And because The Last Jedi kind of messes with that a bit, they're not happy about it from that perspective because people are very protective about star wars um, and it means an awful lot to a lot of people a lot of people look on it um and and really sort of it's helped them understand their lives and it's helped bring them comfort in a way that i don't think any other property really has apart from maybe harry potter for some people so i think that the kind of idea behind those people being unhappy about it is the same as if someone else other than jk rowling made a harry potter book and basically turn around and said, "Oh yeah, you know all that magic? Well, it all comes from like killing kids in the third world.
1: It's actually bad.
0: Yeah, Ma- magic someone... is actually not good. Yeah, if someone turned around and did that to Harry Potter, I imagine a yeah. lot of Harry Potter fans wouldn't be very happy. If um, someone
1: actually made a thing where people, everyone realized that the wizards are actually completely selfish assholes, as we talked about. <laughs>
0: yeah. <a week> <laughs> Our hammer wizards. Um, I think, yeah, I think people who it means an awful lot to wouldn't be happy if there was something that." that managed to like bend the tropes that harry potter uses and i think that's where that other friction comes from in the last jedi so although i think that it's bullshit i can understand that a lot more than the whole mra side of things but even so the last jedi is great just get over it guys it's
1: really good it's
0: really good it's really good and solo's really good as well
1: yeah like, solo fun. is
0: really good fun
1: yeah um
0: so yeah give me more star wars at the moment they've all been really good fun and i don't care if they're overdoing it Throw Star Wars at me every year give me a Star Wars give me one Star Wars please
1: one Star Wars per year yeah I'm cool with that
0: yeah get on it yeah get on it get on it get on it
1: next year's episode 9 isn't it yes yeah which is gonna be awesome I'm looking forward to that yes
0: for sure and then all of the other extra Star Wars movies they're gonna be making
1: yeah at some point I think it will start to tail off but no (laughs) never
0: (laughs) give me more Star Wars I love it
1: yeah that's good okay well next next week is episode 69 and we have decided what we're watching but I, I i think we should not say what it is now i think we should keep it a surprise
0: we should keep it a surprise you reckon
1: yeah or do you want to do you want uh, to tell everyone i think
0: we should tell people because they've got a lot of watching to get through oh they you mean want if, to join if us on this
1: if anyone does watch along, then that would be some serious commitment because I don't think it's the kind of thing where you have to have seen it to understand that it's shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, should we leave it a secret then?
1: Oh no, let's let's say we're watching yeah. the the entire the, the Fifty Shades trilogy.
0: Yeah, we are watching all of the Fifty Shades of Grey movies.
1: Yeah, I've watched the first two already.
0: I have not watched any of them yet. Okay, well, I've got to blitz through them all.
1: I won't spoil them for you, but is there
0: is there yeah. anything to not spoil?
1: No, I won't. I, well, I won't. I won't say anything now. But yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> sexy sixty nine special Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, we're doing it, guys. Wish us <laughs> yeah.
1: luck. Doing it. <laughs>
0: is that the kind of (laughs) highbrow discussion i can expect from the next episode patty
1: well that's appropriate to how highbrow the films are to be honest
0: (laughs) right okay then
1: (laughs) no it's going to be an an interesting episode for sure excellent excellent all right do you want to chat about anything else no i am
0: i am i am done now
1: all right. Well, as as always, you can get in touch with us on the Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. Email us at BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. Um, and really appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoy it and that you're discovering new films or finding out stuff you didn't know about films or disagreeing with us passionately about films or whatever. You know, all responses are good. And if you like what we do, please leave a review or rate us on whatever platform you get your pods from. Share it with your friends, you know it'd be much appreciated
0: yes yeah share us like us review us send us nice uh, notes and comments and stuff like that
1: rate comment and subscribe (laughs)
0: particularly the last one
1: Yeah. (laughs) alright and we'll be back next week to talk about Fifty Shades alright bye bye bye